Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. And with me is my co-host, Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grass-Fed Salsa. Here, we share everything about overcoming health challenges, from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more, with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information only and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now, let's get on with the show, holidays style. In the Christmas spirit over here, and I guess that's my main update that there is a lot of holiday stuff going on on the blog. Got lots of holiday inspired recipes. I've got uh, these paleo cocktail meatballs that are made with grape jelly and AIP barbecue sauce, which are insanely good. I've got that paleo Christmas crack. I've got some... Which looked insane. (laughs) It's really good. Um, Just some cookies, lots of stuff. So head on over there if you're looking for some holiday inspiration. And the week that this comes out, I'm going to be really holidaying it up. My in-laws are amazing and they love the holidays and just like fun stuff as much as I do. So I love that. And they're taking us to like the Dallas Christmas Symphony this year. And I am so excited to do that. I got this it's actually a jumpsuit on Rent the Runway that I got. I'm so excited to wear it. So stay tuned on my Instagram stories and I'll be going crazy over that when it comes this weekend. You're such a planner. Like, I can't believe you have your jumpsuit already planned out <laughs> this far in advance. I know what I want. So like, I know that it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to, you know, have what I want on this day, I have to plan, you know, weeks and weeks out in advance. So yeah. That's fun. How about you? As for updates for grass-fed salsa, I have the collagen bars up on the website. I finally posted that chicken bacon ranch spaghetti squash recipe And that recipe comes with like the biggest story on why it was so delayed. So if you're curious, um, go to the blog and you can read about why I've been talking about that for months and it's just now getting posted. Um, But it's a great recipe. So go check it out. The photos are not perfect, but based on the, the story behind the recipe, I'm just rolling with it. So... All right, Michelle, what are you loving this week? I am loving this new online, it's basically a subscription service. It is called Yoga Glow. So Yoga G-L-O. And I go to a, I have a gym membership. So I really like my body, like what I like to do is weightlifting and yoga. That's just kind of what works with my body. I'm not a runner, not a dancer, not like anything that requires like actual 
skill really, but <laughs> I'm just not very <laughs> athletic and not, no sports, nothing. So those are the things that work for me. And I really like to be able to go to a yoga class and get out because I work from home mostly. So it's nice to be around people, but it's also really expensive. The yoga studios around me to have a membership there and to do drop-ins, it just really adds up. So yoga glow is an online subscription service for yoga videos. And there's thousands of videos. It's like 4,000 or something like that. And I believe it's 18 or $20 a month. And there are programs like structured programs that you can follow. So I'm doing like a yoga for strength one right now, and you can schedule it and it'll send you reminders to do it for like 30 minutes every day. And they have meditations and yoga for morning and night, and you can search by duration and it they have lots of teachers on there and I'm really liking it to be able to just get in yoga every day and just get moving with me working so much right now. And I talked about this on Instagram stories. I'm sure people are wondering, well, why can't you just do yoga YouTube videos? And I still do, like I still have yoga YouTubers that I like, but the problem with me with yoga YouTube videos is I just get so distracted. Like I'll be on there for one minute doing yoga and the next minute I'm like watching cats. So it's a way that's just really structured. Like you can sign up for the programs that lead you through things. Um, it's, it just feels more immersive to me and like I'm actually taking a class rather than just doing a video. So I'm really liking that. And if you're looking for a good option, it's perfect for all levels. So they have things for beginner to like super advanced. And yeah, I really like it. So I trust your taste in music because I know the kind of music you listen to. Yeah. Um, how's the music with Yoga Glow? Honestly, I don't think that any of the videos have music in them. Oh. oh so what I do, like I like that better because yeah. I put Spotify on in the background. And then so I just like make my own playlist. And usually I'll just like go on Spotify and do like yoga for hipsters or indie yoga playlist or something and just play that in the background. Oh my gosh, I love that because that's yeah. always my complaint with most like web website like internet based yoga classes is the music's usually pretty um oh, super I don't know, corny. Lame. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always prefer when people don't do it and then in classes it's very hit or miss, but yeah. It's honestly, for me, that'll make or break an instructor. Like if I like the playlist that they have, I'll be a lot more um, like apt to come back to those people. So I like totally. the flexibility of that. So yeah, it's a really good thing. I think it's the first two weeks for free. So it's low risk. Yoga teacher training has been on my like long-term dreams or goals I don't really know what you would call it but I have like so many yoga playlists on Spotify because not because I ever use them for yoga but I'm just like oh this song would be so good I'm just start a new playlist and I could test it out yeah (laughs) I love it So this week is a really exciting topic for us to talk about. We have lots of people asking us about it. We're going to be deviating a little bit from just the normal health talk and talking more about nutrition 
businesses and building your own business. So if that's something that you're interested in, or you think that you may be interested in it in the future, definitely stick around for this one. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week, but I thought this was a good time to do it because we're right about to come up into the new year and that may be a lot of people's you know new resolution to figure this out if they want to start their own business or if they already have a health coach certification and they want to you know get their business off the ground so i don't know about you Anne, but i get a lot of questions about this myself and what sparked us to do this one is We got a question from Naomi a little while back and we wanted to give her a good answer. So Naomi said, I am interested in learning more about certifications that will give me more knowledge and a credible platform to encourage others um, in a holistic approach to nutrition and their everyday lifestyle. So question specifically, what health coaching routes would you to suggest? So we're going to talk about our health coaching routes and our education and then how to like how our businesses work and business tips, tips for starting a blog, all that stuff. So want me to talk about my education first? Sure. So my undergrad degree really helped me a lot for with what I want to do and what I am doing. And I kind of knew that going into college. So my degree that I wound up with is in emerging media and communication at the University of Texas at Dallas. And people hear that, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? It's basically digital marketing. So what a lot of my educational found like foundation is in writing for sure. I always wanted to be a writer. I took a lot of creative writing classes. I read a lot. I did like storytelling in new media, digital storytelling, short story writing, all of that stuff. And I loved it. Um, Photo and video editing I learned about in school as well. And then just like online community building, I would take social networking classes and things like that. So that gave me a really solid foundation for what I do now. But as for my health coaching, um, certification. I went to the Nutritional Therapy Association and I was working full-time in the, I worked for a ministry doing digital marketing and I just woke up one day and thought that I was not living, you know, what I thought that I was being called to do and I wanted to go to a nutrition school. So I did a lot of research. I landed on the Nutritional Therapy Association and what it is, it's the curriculum is really foundational nutrition. So digestion, blood sugar, um, mineral balance, adrenals, uh, hormones, all that stuff. That's just the really foundational stuff rather than just coming to people saying, um, you know, you should be vegan. You should be this, you know, just kind of cherry picking random symptoms with people and trying to figure out things from there that they, build a system that, you know, like, okay, everybody has these foundational things in their health. And when you address somebody's digestion, when you address their blood sugar, when you address their diet, you know, a good nutrient dense diet, um, it helps to kind of fix all of the symptoms that they could be having. So rather than just chasing things, it's more foundational. Um, the, so the curriculum is mostly online and it's a few workshop weekends, depending on if you do the practitioner program or, 
the consultant program. The practitioner program basically just teaches you how to do a hands-on analysis, um, which I thought was really helpful, even though I don't really use it in practice. And you just get more workshop time, which is really helpful to be able to network with people more. Um, so you have, they have, uh, what do they call them? Workshop venues all over the US. They have them in Canada, I believe. They have them in Australia even. So you can just go on their website and see their most current venues. So it's a nine month program. And as, for the, as per the time commitment, I did the whole program when I was working a full-time job. And in the beginning, I was planning a wedding and I was also building Unbound Wellness and doing consulting. So I was really busy, but you can do it with a full-time job. Like you do not need to quit your job to do this. I don't recommend doing that. Usually what I would do is I would have one to two nights a week where I would sit down and watch the videos and read the materials. And then usually one day during the weekend, I would devote most of my time to doing that work. So it's less than 20 hours a week of actual work and there are breaks built in. So it's really manageable. If you have a full-time job, I would not let that scare you away. And yeah, so I loved it. And I have a post on my blog. If you search nutritional therapy practitioner, you can find out all about it. And if you want to find out more, the best thing that you can do is just go onto their website and figure out when they're enrolling for a new um, course venue, like when they do it again. And they do these calls where you can get on a call and kind of listen to them and ask questions and they answer like every question you could probably ever have. So I highly recommend it. I learned a lot from it and they are working on adding in more training for business and things of that nature. But I think it's a really solid nutrition foundation. So what about you? So my health education because all of my my undergrad and my graduate degree are in science uh so it's science of interior design actually so i have my masters of science in interior design and with that i have a, a published article that i wrote because i was a research assistant in grad school and it was based on the psychology of the built environment and how that affects the health of um, geriatric patients, so patients in assisted living facilities. And I guess like in a sense that kind of started my curiosity in how like other things play a role in health aside from just the foods that you're eating, but that didn't really come to like I didn't really develop that understanding until I started at IIN. So my first certification was through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. With IIN, it was a, I want to say it was 14-month program. They provide you with a lot of, in addition to health coaching and, and nutritional theory, like dietary theories, they teach you about a bunch of different dietary theories. It's not dogmatic in any way. But the thing that really led me to them specifically was their business coaching 
they also have like after you're done with your 14 month program, they have a program called immersion that you can choose to enroll in. And it is, I want to say six months of just strictly business building. So they give you business building throughout the 14 months as well, but then they have this additional program at the end that you can enroll in and that's completely free. And so that was all like really enticing for me because I know that those personally are not my strong points. And then the other thing that I felt like it was really good at was actually teaching you the psychology behind coaching and how to how to encourage people to talk about their own problems rather than trying to diagnose them, but having them kind of reach the conclusions on their own. And that may sound sort of like a cop-out, but, but when you look at the psychology of a lot of different techniques, that's sort of the way it happens. So you talk to people, you ask them the right questions, and they're the ones that end up finding the solutions themselves. So like an example of this is me with my nutritionist. I've mentioned this so many times before, but she did not point blank say, I think that your stressful relationship is what is causing your health issues or causing some of your health issues in this moment. What she asked me was, hey, these issues are happening at home every single night. What's happening at home? And that got me to thinking and led me to the right conclusion. And I think if she had just said that to me, like said, I think that you're in a destructive relationship for your health. I wouldn't have believed it would not have been as powerful as me coming to that conclusion myself. So what IIN does is it teaches you how to coach people through that process. And to me, that was really, really powerful. Leading so, with questions. Yes. You have a business coach and that's what he would call it, you know, to sit down with people and say, okay, well, why do you think that's happening? And what are some things that are going on? You know, because nobody can find out how to, you know, manage your problems as best as you can. So Right. Especially when it's stemming from, when your issues are stemming from something other than like a parasite or a mm. candida overgrowth or something that you can test for. When it's stemming from something else based on your sleep or your satisfaction in life in general, or like your environment, all of these things, I can't test for that. I can't come to that conclusion for you. Um, so you like by getting people to talk about it, that's really how they determine those underlying issues. So then because it did seem like a little bit soft on the nutrition aspect of it, it did dive into a lot of different nutritional uh, dietary theories, but it didn't dive deep into any one theory. So it kind of like skimmed the surface of a bunch of different techniques that you could use. And so because of that, I really connected with the curriculum of the Nutritional Therapist Program through the Health Sciences Academy. So I enrolled in that towards the end of my IIN program and used that to kind of supplement with identifying how or learning how to identify nutritional deficiencies, how to develop personalized protocols for people based on those, um, and just like really customizing those different dietary templates. And honestly, like that, I think is what really 
got me passionate about detoxification and antioxidants for cancer prevention and disease prevention, and then really building like bioindividuality or focusing on bioindividuality and building customized dietary templates. So that's kind of what led into my Ditcher Nutritionist program and then what led into another program that I'm creating with a, a friend uh, based around detoxing your entire life. So, um, so that one was really impactful for me. That is the one that I would, it's not that I wouldn't recommend IIM, but I would only recommend IIM for a specific type of person. So like Michelle had this undergraduate in emerging, emerging media and communications. It seems like she doesn't need the business building aspect of it. And so for her, I don't think that IIN would have been beneficial. I think it would have been a long and expensive process for her, whereas she got what she needed from the NTA and probably much more nutrition educated education than I got. And then with the Health Sciences Academy, that would be one where it was less expensive. You can go at it at your own pace. So you can get these modules done as quickly as you as you can. And it has a lot of great information in there. So those were the two programs that I recommended. What we wanted to talk about next was how we structure our businesses, aka how we make money with our businesses. Because this is something like Michelle was saying, we get a lot of questions about this. And it doesn't matter like who's messaging me, whether they're in a program now or not, they're wondering like, how do you actually make money from this? Do you like doing it? Like, what does your life look like? And that's what I was curious to find out when I was exploring this route as well. So I am still working part-time as an interior designer, but my business makes money through my online programs, my ebook, and my group coaching programs. So those are the three ways that I make money as of right now. Um, I phased out one-on-one -on -one coaching almost a year ago at this point. Um, I was still doing a few one-off consultations with former clients like in the meantime, and I kept thinking I was going to bring it back. But for me, it's very mentally exhausting to work one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, so I'm not sure that I will ever be able to bring that back. I do have a really strong passion for it though. Like um, I think I mentioned in a podcast recently about how I I recently heard from a former client who had gotten rid of her SIBO and she was, she had so much success on AIP, which is what I personally was working with her on. And um, hearing from her was just really great to hear that like so many of her symptoms had resolved and she was just in such a better place in her life. And that is so gratifying. Um, it made me want to bring it back in some capacity, but we'll just have to see kind of mentally where I stand after after we have the babies. So as of right now, I have the one online program and I have that either in a ebook format in an online program with supplemental videos and mastermind lessons format and a community support group. And then I also run a group coaching option with that program as well. So that's how I make my money. What about you? 
Most of my income right now in Unbound Wellness comes from blogging, actually, which is kind of a dream for me because that's really always what I wanted to do. So I will put out a number of blog posts every week that will draw traffic to my blog. And I have ads on my website that I make money off of when people view them. I was very you know, unsure if I wanted to put ads on my site. I was like, I'm just going to test it out. But it really, you know, turned out to be a decision that I'm happy with. So many other bloggers do the exact same thing. And I was very purposeful with the network that I wanted to work with because so many other paleo and like whole 30 and like real food type bloggers work with them. So I work with um, Ad Thrive and uh you have to have a certain number of page views every month to work with them but i really trust them and they do a really great job um i also make not as much off of it but i do make money off of doing things like sponsored posts um i only work with very particular brands i get a lot of inquiries from just like whatever kind of people or people i got one yeah i won't even go it <laughs> I get some interesting ones, but I really only work with people that I would actually use. I do actually use and like products that I am happy with putting my name behind. I don't want to be the kind of person that just pushes anything and, you know, says that, oh, I'm super paleo and super into this and that and da, 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 and then pushes a product with canola oil in it. So I don't want to be that kind of person. So I only work with brands I like. And I also write for other brands and other blogs and do content on their blog. That's really fun for me too, just because I always have wanted to be a writer. And then um, the other things for me, so I have an ebook, the 30 day gut healing guide, and it came out about a year ago at this point. And it still is a really popular ebook that a lot of people um, just really like using. And it's really helpful to, if you're starting out on a gut healing journey, it's a really helpful book. There's 30 days of meal plans in there, shopping lists, prep guides, recipes, all this stuff. So that still um, brings me income of that being sold. I also have affiliate programs that I work with, mostly just things like Amazon or like other brands that I'll use in recipes. So things that I'm actually using, um, bloggers and other friends that I am, you know, the products that I've actually used and tested before. It's not just random stuff. So that's kind of lower on my list, but I do that as well. Um, one-on-one coaching, it's kind of the same thing for me that I was, I have a lot of inquiries and I'm working on ways to help serve everybody, but it's just kind of at the point where it was, it's more people than I am really physically able to work with. So I am focusing my attention on other things right now. And like I said, I'm working on this big project. You guys are seeing me do it. That'll come out soon. So I'm hoping that that is another income source. Hope you guys like it and like everybody we can all dance around and be happy together with it. Um, but <laughs> keep a eye out just for things. Um, hopefully in early 2018 that I will have other options to be working with people again, 
to, um, you know, be working with people in some capacity and then just me provide options for, you know, people getting one-on-one help. So I'm really passionate about that as well, but yeah, I have other things coming out soon, but that's mostly how I make my money. Um, but we'll talk about other ways to make money. But one thing that I really wanted to cover before we get into the little nitty gritty and tips is just some mindset stuff. So I feel like you and I both went through this, that when we wanted to start our businesses, we would look at all of the other bloggers out there who were already established, who were already doing this and thought, the market is too saturated. I'm not even going to bother starting. And I heard somebody else saying this the other day. It's like, mm, don't even bother anymore. Like, don't like there's, we're full, like, don't, don't bother starting a blog. And that is so false. Like the market is never too saturated. And I don't remember where I heard this, but I say it to myself all the time and did it better will always beat did it And just because you did something first doesn't mean that you are meeting everybody's needs. So it's not like I do it better or Anne does it better or any other AIP blogger does it better for everyone, but we do it better for somebody else. We fill a need that is not being filled by somebody else. So Anne does it better for um, you know, women that have celiac disease and she will start doing it better for women who have babies and children. And, you know, I do it just better and differently for women that have Hashimoto. So don't think that just because somebody else out there has already done it, you can't do it too. It is so important to remember that it is never too late to start and the market is never too saturated. If you go into the mall, look at how many women's clothing stores there are. Can you imagine if all of these places would say, oh, well, there's somewhere else that sells t-shirts. So I guess it just won't start. Like that's never true. Never tell yourself that. It's really just an excuse at the end of the day. So next thing I wanted to call out mindset, create your own opportunities. Go into creating a business. So there are two different kinds of things that we'll talk about. There are, you know, people that, start out by working with other people and for other people. And I'm still one of those people. Anne is still one of those people for sure. But don't always just look at it as that's the only way to function. And that's the only way to have an income that if somebody's, if, if somebody isn't hiring you, you just can't make a living. That's so not true. Create your own opportunities. And people will ask me all the time, well, what can I do as an NTP? And we'll get into that. But my question back is always, what do you want to do? You know, unboundwellness.com, Unbound Wellness LLC did not exist like three years ago. I had to create it, like these opportunities to work with these brands that I work with and, you know, get these opportunities that I've, you know, been blessed to be able to take on. Those did not exist until I created them. And like, this podcast did not, Anne and I did not answer a wanted ad for the hosts of the Unbound Healing podcast. Like we wanted to do it and we started it. So have that mindset of what do I want to do? I'm going to create it. And then finally, learn from others, but don't copy or over compare yourself. So we did a whole podcast episode on comparison and how we don't want to slip into the comparison trap. However, I took a class in college that I thought was really, 
really powerful. And it was a digital textuality class, I think, but it was talking about how everything is a remix. Like we would look at um, pieces of art that were inspired by other works of art. And it's like, okay, well, where does this start to become plagiarism? And where does this start to become copying? And when is it just, you know, inspiration? So everything that you look at in the world right now, like the car that you drive is inspired by the car before it, and the car was inspired by the horse. And like, everything is a remix. So everything is inspired by something. So you should be learning from others. You should be going in Barnes and Noble and looking at books of, you know, recipe developers that have done it before. Or if you want to create courses, buy other courses, go through other courses, learn from other people, from what other people have done before, what works, what resonates with you. But at the same time, you can't compare yourself 100% with that person. You have no idea what it took for them to get there, how long it took, you know, if their circumstances or gifts or talents were just different. So learn from others for sure, but don't copy or compare yourself with people. Yes, I second that like a million times. That's actually something that I feel like is very like, um, well, when people, when I tell people this, so when I first started with one of my passions is graphic design, like I love creating ebooks and graphics for the blog and I learned from a girl that I worked with who was our graphic designer in one of the interior design businesses that I worked for. And I learned basically just like through her. So I would see something that she did that seemed to really speak to like what I liked and graphically it looked great. And so I just kind of used hers as inspiration to then create my own items. And for me, we were in two very different industries, so our work could have looked very similar, but nobody would have ever felt like they were copying because, like, I'm doing something for a totally different market. I'm using different colors. I'm using different shapes, different transparencies. So there are all these different aspects that will change. And so just because you're starting out by being very inspired by somebody else doesn't mean that in the end, the end product is exactly I identical or replicated. And when you're looking at within the same industry, that can happen. So my recommendation there would be to look outside of your industry for inspiration so oh, that yeah. you have less of that, um, like that risk of it being just a copy or you feeling like you're comparing yourself with somebody else. So an example there would be if I'm developing a recipe, I let's say it's baking, I will look at a totally conventional baked good. So not something that's AIP, like I will never type into Pinterest. If I'm trying to figure out like how to make something, I will not type into Pinterest AIP pancakes. Like I will go and find a pancake recipe that's something conventional and I'll figure out like, okay, well, what are the components that they have that these ones all have like really high ratings? Do they all have baking powder? Do they have cream of tartar? And then I figure out like, how can I make this AIP? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's like, that's the process that I go through. I agree. I will do a lot. I will go to um, like Barnes and Noble or wherever and get magazines of conventional food. 
and, you know, like scalloped potatoes or something like, how can I make something, you know, that's inspired by that? So not make that, you know, a hundred percent and not copy it, but it's like, okay, how can I take that inspiration of what already exists? Cause very few people are making new foods. Like it's all been figured out. <laughs> Everybody's right. making soup and salads and main dishes and smoothies. It's just finding a new way to do it. So I love doing that. I need to do it more. Honestly, I need to go back to Barnes and Noble soon and just, yeah, going through magazines, going through cookbooks, Pinterest of things outside your niche. Heck yeah, I'm all about it. All right. So we wanted to talk next about ways to create a sustainable nutrition business. My first tip on this would be to find a need in the market and fill it. And for this, it's not going to necessarily be something that comes to you right off the bat. I, I feel like I, I hear from a lot of women who are getting their nutrition edu like education. They're within that right now and they're trying to figure out what their niche is. And some people may have it figured out right off the bat, but I would say more often people need to just start a blog start writing and figure out like what comes naturally to you. What do you know the most about? What do you enjoy writing about and what resonates with other people? So my experience with this, I did not start out to be an AIP blogger or health coach or have an AIP program or anything. And what I actually started out about was, um, started writing about was butter coffee because at the time that was like a huge help in my life and in my health. And so I started writing about that. And while it was resonating with people, I, I wasn't really super passionate about talking about it all the time. I just kind of felt like there were too many stipulations with who this would and wouldn't work for. And it wasn't easy to personalize for people. And so I started the autoimmune protocol and just started documenting my journey almost in like a journal format. Like it wasn't even a, a professional format, but I had one of my blog posts, like quote went viral on Pinterest, one of my AIP blog posts. And I was just getting, it was getting so many more views than anything else. And so I was like, Oh, I guess people want to learn more about this. And so I started putting out more AIP content and the rest of it, you know, just it kind of like fell into place. Like that's what I became really passionate about because that ended up being what really transformed my life. So I don't think you need to figure it out right away. And I think the best way to figure it out is just to start writing and see what comes easiest to you to write about. I agree. I did not know in the beginning. In the beginning, I thought that I just wanted to just post lifestyle type things and not talk about recipe, not really do recipes that much, just do it here and there. But because I was afraid to start because I thought I wasn't as good as anybody else, but eventually I was just like, hey, whatever, why not me? Why can't I be good? And then I eventually transitioned into that. But yeah, you will not know in the beginning exactly what you want to do. It'll be an evolution. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
the next thing would be one-on-one coaching. And Michelle and I already mentioned that we personally stepped back from this, but a lot of people really, really find it fulfilling. They find it to be a really great income source and a sustainable income source. So what I would recommend with one-on-one coaching is to develop some format for how you're planning on working with clients. And personally, I found it easiest to make like a package. So instead of doing one-off, one-off coaching sessions, um, consultations, I in initially I offered that and I wasn't really seeing the results that to me felt gratifying because people would just like fall off the wagon or I don't know, they wouldn't return or they would return, but it would be so sporadic that they weren't getting like consistency from me. So then I created a three month coaching program. IIN suggests that you do a six month coaching program. For me, that felt like too much of a commitment, but I did end up having the majority of my clients ended up renewing for another three months at the end of our first three months together. And so I would say it's probably a good thing. I mean, maybe I should have just like done a six month coaching program, but I would work with them. I would meet with them two sessions a month. So it was like a biweekly schedule. And then we would have, there would be times where we would have to hop on like a call, you know, 15 minute phone call or um, email each other in between those appointments because something would come up. And so I was kind of just like providing support along the way. And my suggestion would be to at least give yourself some structure with when and how often you're going to be providing that support, because I think that's possibly why I got burnt out on it was because I was providing almost like an unlimited amount of support. It was like, if they were having a bad day, I was their accountability buddy that I would hop on the phone with them and like talk them through it and like figure things out with them. And that would just be an extra session that they would, that they would get. Um, And so for me, it was almost like I was always on call, like weekends, evenings, everything. What was, uh, what did your one-on-one coaching look like? It was, I would do like a three month package, three it roughly so i would usually work with people for it would be an initial visit and then three follow ups so it would be 3 to 4 months or so and i had to learn that really quick too to put up boundaries with email because yeah some people do need that level of support where they need somebody constantly checking in with them but that's really what burnt me out too is that I, you know, you can only give away so much of your energy. Mm -hmm. And if you keep giving that away, you just have nothing left to give. And you like, you guys will be able to tell from me personally, when I have like run out of energy, because I don't post on Instagram stories, like I'm just kind of quiet. Because every time that you put yourself out there, so whether it's one on one coaching, whether it's putting out Instagram stories or Instagram posts that opens a window of opportunity for people to come in and kind of like ask you things and talk about it. So I'm like, if I don't put anything out, then I don't have to expel any energy because my energy is kind of already drained. So working one on one with people, 
is very fulfilling, but it can drain a lot of your energy. And if you're working with a lot of people and especially the people that we work with, like they need a lot of support. So you and I are like bloggers and we have other jobs. So it's harder for us to like pull our energy in all these separate directions. And it's harder to be like, okay, we have this job and then we have the blog and then we have like one-on-one people. So if you're going to work with people one-on-one, you have to protect your energy and put up boundaries. Uh, I know people that will say like, okay, you get this many sessions and one email a week. Like I will answer one of your emails because a lot of like people will send emails and I will write things back that would equal like a whole session's worth of work. Like I would, it would be multiple paragraphs. I would be looking at food journals that get like, so you have to put up those boundaries whether or not you're working with people or not. So, and it's not even like, oh, I'm being mean. I'm not giving them support. You're giving them better support by putting up boundaries. Because if I was working with, you know, 20 people and giving them all tons of support, it was not high quality support. So, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. And so that's, yeah, that we aren't trying to say that one-on-one coaching is bad. Like, like I said earlier, I have, we have friends that love it and find it very fulfilling, but it's really just setting, like structuring your business to make that work for you. Exactly. And we were trying to do other things, so it just wasn't the right time for it, but right. again, maybe we'll go back to it. But so the next one. Yes. And some of these others, we may not have a ton of input on just because we haven't done it ourselves, but we wanted to bring them up anyway. Yeah. So workshops and seminars, and then we said retreats as well. We, I don't think that either of us have done this. This is something that's on my to-do list for sure. I'd really like to do this in the next year to put on a retreat or a workshop or a seminar. And I'll tell you about it when I do it. But There are other people out there that are better experts on this than us. And it's the kind of thing that you do a lot of work for and maybe you get a lot of return. But the sort of thing that we'll talk about next that I feel like has more um, longevity and more passive income, like monetizing online information and creating digital products. So that's what we do. And basically every time that you're working one-on-one with people or doing workshops and retreats, you're exchanging dollars for hours. So you're not getting paid unless you are actively working. Whereas when you're monetizing information that you've already created, I was doing, you know, lots of uh, family stuff this past weekend and I wasn't really working, but I was still seeing sales from affiliate programs and ad income and my ebook come in. Like I was not, not all of the money that I make is tied to work that I am actively doing minute by minute. And that if you really want to scale a business and you want more quote unquote freedom and you want to be able to create more things, that is what I focus on heavily and is really important if you want to continue to scale, especially as a solopreneur. But um, so monetizing online information, so affiliates, um, ads, sponsored content, basically the stuff that I talked about that I do a lot of um, with ads, you can Google ad networks, network with other people um, in your area of expertise, you know, go on their blogs. If they have ads, email them, Hey, how, how do you do this? Like who are, who's your network? Who can I talk to? Um, sponsored content. Uh, 
a lot of the times brands will come to you, but going to them, I've definitely worked with brands this way as well. So you create a media kit where you basically say like, this is how much traffic I have. These are my numbers. These are the people I like to reach and here are my prices. So sending out things like that to brands, um, writing for other brands, affiliates, again, that's just networking with people and, you know, having another friend that has an ebook and selling it for them. That's kind of like a case by case basis that you work on with that. So it's kind of hard to explain. And then creating digital products, um, something that we both do. So the online programs, ebooks, summits, challenges, boot camps. Um, so the way that we, I mean, just a very broad overview. So what we, people ask me us this. So I feel like you and I both use like InDesign to design our eBooks and programs. And then what I use, if you're deep into this and you're thinking about putting out an eBook. So I use eJunkie. So it's e-junkie. And that is the fulfillment service that when somebody buys my book, it winds up in their uh, email address. And then what do you use? I used, I just transitioned to eJunkie actually. So I was using Samcart and realized that eJunkie was less expensive. And so I decided to try that. Um, so far, my sales have been just as consistent, actually, if not more consistent with eJunkie than they were with Samcart. So I think I'm actually going to cancel Samcart because that was initially why I chose that one is I heard the interface was a lot better and people liked the checkout process ran a little bit smoother. So they had shown like sale sales increased with Samcart. Um, but yeah, I don't really see much benefit to keeping it. So I think I'll continue with eJunkie. And yes, I use InDesign. InDesign is not cheap. So you have to pay at this point, InDesign is an Adobe product and you can choose to just use InDesign and pay like maybe $10 a month or you can add like as many different programs as you want, which to me is necessary if you're going to be blogging. So I use Lightroom, Photoshop, and InDesign and pay, I think I'm currently paying like $30 a month, but I think it increased to like $40 or $50 a month. So it's kind of an expensive product. You might be able to find an old version. They used to sell it where you could download it to your computer, like software. They don't do that anymore. So you might be able to find an older version that is capable of doing that. You can if also you, use Canva. That's a free yes. one. I don't like it as much, but if you're just really trying to start out or you can just hire somebody to help you design, that's usually what I wind up doing is that I do all the formatting and stuff like that. And then I hire somebody to make it look pretty. Yeah. And then you can also use a website called BookWrite. We'll put all of these in the show notes, but I, I know Elena is using this for her new recipe ebook that's coming out, I believe in December, and she's really liking it a lot. So it's pretty easy. You don't have to like take a course to figure out how to use it. And it works pretty well. Awesome. The last one I wanted to talk about, because this is something that I'm considering adding in 2018, is to provide services to businesses rather than clients. And that can look like anything you want, but that would be like a, a B2B structuring your business rather than a B2C. So B2C, a B, business to client is 
in my opinion, slightly more difficult to monetize. Um, when you're working with other businesses, it's a little bit easier because they can see more of a return on their investment. Mm -hmm. And so with providing services to businesses, this could be like helping them with menu development. And again, this could be like with any restaurant that's opening near you or restaurants that are already open, or maybe it's like a juice bar that wants to start doing some type of meal plans for their clients and incorporating their juices in with whole foods. And so you could kind of help create curriculum and menus for them. And then the other thing that I, that sounds really interesting to me would be recipe development and photography for larger brands. So if a blogger is focused on providing education to their clients, there's likely that they're outsourcing the recipe creation or it could be vice versa. But if they're outsourcing the recipe development, they may have somebody on staff that creates all of their recipes and photography, but goes under their name. And so this also can even happen with cookbooks. Um, I have a photography friend, she's who I learned how to do food photography from, and she's actually um, photographed now three different cookbooks or she has three different cookbook contracts and she's doing all of the recipe photography for these cookbooks and I'm not even sure if her name would end up in the book or not but so these are just different ways that like you can find out what you're passionate about through blogging and then try to put that into practice and, and try to start monetizing it so I love recipe development and food photography I'm not so much into the actual writing of a recipe post. And so for me, it would be the best like job I could possibly think of would be just to create the recipe, capture the photos and send it off to somebody else to write. Rad. <laughs> so to finish things out, we wanted to do some quick fire, just tips to build a business. So first I wanted to, establish networking is your friend. Introducing yourself to other bloggers. In the beginning, when I was starting out, I would literally just email bloggers that I really liked and say like, hey, thanks so much for like writing this post. This really resonated with me. This is who I am. I love your stuff. Just wanted to say hi. Um, that's really powerful networking, creating those relationships and yeah. Um, well, and that's kind of, that's how Michelle and I hooked up because yeah. I reached out to her about a different thing that I was wanting to create. And she was like, yeah, I'm not really like, I don't know, you didn't have time for it or you just weren't passionate about it or something, but you're like, but I want to start a podcast. Would you ever be interested in that? Hey. Yeah. yeah. So that's how this all came about. Yeah. It's so fulfilling just like to be able to grow your business. And then like those people become your friends. Like if they're in your niche, like you have a lot in common with them. So networking, you get to enrich their lives and business and you know, they get to help enrich yours. So don't count that out. Don't isolate yourself. And then in that same breath, um, be respectful when asking advice from others. So be just kind of respectful and considerate of people's time. So I did this in the beginning and a lot of people struggle with this, that people on social media can just be so like personable that we feel like, you know, we're their friends and you can just kind of like ask people anything. And 
I did this a lot in the beginning, just like emailing people or sending the messages like, Hey, can you tell me like how you built a business? Like, can you give me all of your best business tips? Like, can I call you? Like, here's my phone number. Can you call me? And like, I have a business idea. Can you talk me through with this? So I don't just doing something like that. It's yeah, it's great to get advice from people, but approach it as coming to somebody and saying, hey, I respect you as a thought leader in this niche. I respect what you do. Do you have a consulting fee that I could pay you for an hours of your time and get like real advice from you? Sometimes people will say that they don't, but um, I can almost guarantee you that if you come to somebody that is really busy and has a lot of things going on saying like, Hey, can I just like have an hour of your time? They're either not going to give it to you because they're busy. They just don't have that time to give away for free or they're not going to give you really high quality time. Whereas if you come to them kind of like as an equal and as somebody who you respect, um, you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck. So that's something that I plan on adding to my business is doing business consulting because I'm obviously really passionate about this. But yeah, when you're talking to people, there's a difference between is sending somebody a message and saying, hey, um, you know, what do you use for your ebook design versus, hey, can you tell me how to build a business? This is my business idea. Like they're very, those are very different things. So just be cognizant of that going forward. And if you want advice from somebody, you know, ask them what their consulting rate is. Yeah, I really like that suggestion. And with that too, so with network and collaborating, collaboration is one of my biggest my biggest um, pieces of, of advice, just because if you know what your personal strengths are and what your weaknesses are, then trying to find somebody to collaborate with you who is one on the same like playing field or appears to be on the same playing field as you. So kind of like in the same, you know, I would never reach out to somebody who has been in this business for 10 years. This is their full-time job. They make six figures. Like I would never reach out to them because I'm not at that same place in my business. But instead I reach out to somebody who appears to be on the same level as me and it's likely going to be a greater connection and more beneficial. And then two, they fill the need of your weaknesses. So like Michelle is really great with the marketing. Um, and so that was, you know, one of the things that, that led me to her. I mean, it, there was a lot of different things that led me to you, Michelle. Great but cat. Yeah. <laughs> I told, I told Michelle that her cat has like, he's just like the best cat that I think I've ever met met in quotes um, a personality Go on. <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway I like what you said about being respectful when asking for advice but with that I also wanted to talk about just making a connection with them first rather than starting out right off the bat by asking for something so you could like reshare things that they're posting or you could um, just like start developing a relationship with somebody via, you know, Instagram stories, like start responding to their posts in an engaged way. Like it doesn't even have to be a question. It could just be, you know, like, I really liked what you shared today. Thank you. Or I respect you or whatever it may be. And then eventually it's going to be easier because you've developed that relationship to then ask 
for something in return because now they know who you are. It's not just somebody that they've never met before coming out of the woodwork asking for something. Totally. So moving on, uh, niching, develop, uh, figuring out what your niche is. We talked about that earlier. Michelle and I are both kind of in the AIP industry, but then sort of within that we have our own niches. So mine is really about developing a healing um, personalized diet that works for you. Michelle's right now very into the gut healing aspects of autoimmunity. So those are kind of our own niches within the AIP industry. I think that developing your voice or the voice of your brand and within that coming up with very solid, consistent branding is really, really important. And the reason for that is one thing that Michelle was talking about earlier is like, just because somebody has done this before doesn't mean that you can't do something similar or take inspiration from it. And what I've really noticed with that is just because somebody may have created, say, like, like an autoimmunity program. So one of my programs has a, um, Digital nutritionist. It has an autoimmunity route and it's focused on structuring AIP to work for you and your healing journey and how to customize that. Well, if somebody else had already created that, which there very well could be somebody else out there, that doesn't mean that my program isn't going to sell because somebody else's is selling. Um, it means that the people that come to my program may be women because that's typically how I write and who I write for. Like I have a very specific way that I look at autoimmunity. I have a very specific way that I write, um, kind of in a more playful, like girlfriend type way. And that's just the voice that I write in. And my branding is pink and green. Like that's who I'm capturing. And so I can capture a specific audience even if somebody else has already done the same thing based on my branding and the voice. For and sure. those aren't necessarily, so branding is something that you create, you define in the beginning, keep it consistent with whatever you have until you're ready for a rebrand, um, you know, years down the road, but keep that consistent from the beginning. Developing your voice is harder to come by. And I think that just takes time. So I would start blogging, even if you want to delete those blog posts later, just start blogging because eventually your writing will start to take on your voice and your style. So the next thing would be to start an email list. And to really get this email list going, you're going to want to offer something of value for free. And so with the what I did was I, with that blog post that like quote went viral on Pinterest about autoimmunity, I, as I saw that there was a lot of traffic going to this old blog post, I went back and updated it. First, I like fixed a million typos and made it a lot better because it was terrible. Um, but I also put a free offer. So I did a free ebook on how to make your AIP transition successful. And so it was just like this free little 10 page download that I created. And that's like the number one offering. That's the number one way that I grow my email list. But since then I've created a lot of other offers as well. So I'm diversifying my email list. So I have some people that come to me for one specific thing and then other people that come to me for autoimmunity. And I can segment that within my email list based on who's there and what they've downloaded. 
And for the email list, I've used several different ones right now. I'm currently using MailerLite and I really liking it. So I'm not, I'm not sure that I'll transition away from it. Um, what do you use for your email list? I'm still on MailChimp right now. I know I need to upgrade to ConvertKit, but I tried it. And I didn't really like it, but I need to go back. But um, I didn't like ConvertKit. Yeah, either. I don't know. But one thing I wanted to say, because some people are super surprised that people still talk about email lists. Like, why would you talk about email lists? Social media is the thing. It's, it's not. What actually sells things is your email list. People are way more engaged when they're signing up for your email list. You are giving them a lot more free content. Social media is just kind of shouting into the void and you do not actually own your social media that people talk about it all the time. How like, oh, my Instagram engagement is down and my Facebook, this is down. And how do I, you know, take, retake control over your social media? You don't, it's always going to change. There are little hacks and tips and tricks that you can use, but it, they're going to go away. They're always going to change. The way that you control your audience is capturing their emails and, you know, offering something for free to build your list is really important. And then I email people every week just to make sure that they stay engaged. And I just send, you know, hey, here's what happened on the blog this week, little blurbs. Sometimes I'll send in, you know, like extra free things in there. Um, but yeah, there was a statistic I heard a while ago at a marketing conference, but it's a hundred percent true having my business and seeing where my sales come from. It's all really from my email list. Um, is they said that it was just this ridiculous amount of like black Friday sales were still, um, you know, the final acquisition was email list versus just a Facebook post that people actually bought when they clicked on it through email than when they just clicked on it through Facebook. So you can look at anything on Facebook. You can look at anything on Pinterest. Like we follow dogs on Instagram. We're not going to buy from the dog. We give our emails to people that we trust and we want to buy from. So that's why you build your email list. Along with going along with talking about the email list, promoting your content. So yes, using your email list to send out that stuff. And yes, yeah, still using social media. Again, you don't own it, but you still want to utilize it as best you can. I think that Anne and I both have the most success with Pinterest. So really figuring out like where your audience is. And because we do recipes, people are mostly looking for recipes on Pinterest, sharing on Facebook, sharing on Instagram. Yes, you want to, you know, get that out as much as you can. Um, and then Facebook groups. So like there are fine Facebook groups like in your niche that allow you to share your own content. A lot of them don't. So other Facebook groups and just play within their rules. So there are like AIP support groups that, you know, we share recipes in and we get, you know, more eyes on it that way. And we're helping people that are very, you know, looking in that need. We have our own Facebook groups that we have as well. So promoting your content, actually getting it out there. And then you're always going to be testing that, seeing what's the most, what's most effective and yeah, just learning from other people. Oh yeah, totally. I was going to say that too about learning from other people. So when you pick out like where you're going to spend your time and focus your time and energy, say it's Pinterest, like find somebody out there who's a Pinterest expert and see if they're offering any like free webinars or if they have any blog posts that talk about how to, you know, get your pins like repinned and shared and grow your, grow your account. 
et cetera. Totally. Rather than trying to like figure it out on your own and try a million different things. Like, and if it means that you have to pay for something, like you have to invest in a Pinterest program that that person has created. I mean, I've done that a number of times. Um, not specifically with Pinterest, but with a variety of other things. And so reinvesting, you know, after you start making some money, you can start reinvesting it back into your business through these courses, which is also good for tax deductions. Yeah. And then the last one is analyzing your results and your traffic and all of that stuff. So you cannot effectively know if you are reaching your goals if you're not tracking them. So setting up Google Analytics, there's no way around you having anything other than Google Analytics. I say that as a digital marketing person, working with, you know, a developer if you have to, if you don't know how to set that up yourself, but setting up some sort of analytics and looking at that, figuring out the reports, figuring out analytics within Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram, you could just be shouting into the void and it not reaching people, or, um, you know, you could be really missing some opportunities. So, a lot yeah. of the ways that I optimize my content is looking at things being like, okay, what has already worked? Let me go into analytics and see what's working and let me optimize that way. Right. So I have one recipe for like a mashed cauliflower breakfast bowl that has quite a, quite a bit of traffic goes to that specific recipe. And so I created a mashed cauliflower recipe that I could link to within that. So instead of having everything within one blog post, then I created like another place for people to go to and another pin that people could go to. So that's where you take your traffic and then you refine your offerings for people. Um, it's probably why Michelle has so many popper recipes because she looked at our traffic and saw that people love them. So exactly. like, why would you not want to create more of what people are already loving? Because they'll keep liking it. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what we have to say about building a business. Follow-up questions, feel free to ask them. We can try to sprinkle it in to other questions, podcasts, or you know, do a follow-up episode on this down the road if we get more targeted questions. But that was fun. What's your meal of the week, Anne? So I have been having my food aversions have kind of come back in my third trimester and I haven't really been feeling any food uh, for that matter. So I'm kind of force feeding at this point. And I've been making one of the only things that ever really sounds good right now is fruits. So I've been making a smoothie and I'll make it like in the mornings, lunch, snack time, after dinner, like it doesn't matter what time, but here's what's in it. So since I am on a very loose candida protocol, um, very loosely following it. Here's what I do. So I have blueberries and strawberries. So they're lower sugar fruits and I don't measure anything. I just throw it into the blender and I add about the, the one thing that I do measure is my MCT oil to make sure that I'm getting enough, but not too much because MCT oil, specifically brain octane oil, because the caprylic acid is a lot higher in it. Um, is can be difficult to digest if you have too much so you should start out with like a teaspoon work your way up to maybe a tablespoon most people won't be able to 
tolerate more than a teaspoon. So um, I put in at least a teaspoon of that, sometimes a little more. And then some chia seeds. I sometimes will add some citrus for some vitamin C, some adrenal healing aspect. I'll add a little bit of sea salt again to support my adrenals, coconut cream. Sometimes I'll add nut butter to it. And then I always add several scoops of collagen protein. The collagen protein powder that I'm using right now is from per Perfect Supplements and I am loving it. Um, so we'll link to that. It's a good price and yeah, it's just, it's just great. So that's my candida smoothie that I'm having that I'm kind of existing off of at the moment. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbound Healing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, you can find more from me and at grassfedsalsa.com and more from Michelle at unboundwellness.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.